You're listening to Cams Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. My name is Nikki Scott. I'm the service user participation lead for Bedford and Luton Cams. And we are joined today by some of our ex-service users. Shall we do some introductions, everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm Mia um, and I'm an ex-service user of the eating disorder team. I'm Roshni and I'm an ex-service user of the eating disorder team too. I'm Sam and I'm an ex-service user of Cams. Um, I'm Ocean and I'm an ex-service user of CAMS. I'm Ashling and I work in service user participation across Bedfordshire CAMS. And I'm Mark, I'm one of the clinicians <laughs> that works on the CAMS service. So it's so good to see everyone. So today's edition is about uni life post CAM. So all of our lovely service users um, were involved in participation. I worked with you all for a number of years, which was amazing. And you've now all flown the nest and gone off to uni. So we thought we'd all get together again to talk about how you cope with uni life post CAMS. So how's it going, everyone? Good. It's good. It's, it's good. wonderful. I think we're all it's all right. agreed on that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's decent. Decent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About, <laughs> as, about as good as it can be. Yeah. <laughs> um it's it's a very some people love it, some people don't. Mm. But I I think I'm just kind of floating along. Yeah. Just I think the thing is you don't know if you're gonna enjoy it. Like you can think, Oh my god, this is so me and then get there and it's completely different. Like you literally don't know until you go. That is one thing I would say, like I like I don't know it's just so different when you actually get there and have to put it into practice than when you're thinking about it and that's not me saying don't go that's just me saying like don't don't hold too many expectations I would say it's actually yeah I thought I was going to be one of the party animals mm-hmm. um but actually I realized I prefer to sleep um and that doesn't matter that's okay if you prefer to sleep you don't have to go to uni and be like happy and party mm. all the time mm. Okay, so one of the things that I suppose um, we wanted to cover today, obviously everybody's doing different courses, Mm -hmm. you're all at different unis, so everyone's going to have had different experiences, Mm -hmm. but if you are struggling at uni, is it quite easy to access help? Is it well publicised where you go if you really need to talk to somebody? It definitely depends on the uni. Yeah, and I think on your course as well. My course has like a specific um, well-being lead. And so if you've got any issues, you're welcome to go talk to her. Um, And then you also have occupational health. um, That can help you at any point too. So, Yeah, by uni, you have academic advisors and they basically deal with older issues you have as well. So my academic advisor would have been informed of the issues I had in the past because I put them, that on my application. So if I had any issues, I could go talk to him, schedule a meeting yeah. and then get help through that. Um, I think when you walk into my uni, it's literally signposted wellbeing team. That's so good. Yeah, so you go in and there's the front desks and behind that is the wellbeing team, which is all of the... Um, mental health support but also 
physical health support and all of that. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant to have it signposted, um, but you have to go out and get it, um, which can be really difficult if you're not in a good headspace and you're struggling to do mm. things. Yeah. Like you actually have to get out of bed mm. and go um, and book an appointment and all of that. One um, thing, One thing that I have in place and that you can actually get before you go to uni um when I went on all of my open days um we'd go to kind of they usually have like a well-being stand and like a student support stand or whatever and you can actually go and talk about it and ask about what support and one of the things that they advised to me was a DSA and that stands for disabled students allowance so it covers disabilities it covers dyslexia it covers all sorts um but including mental health issues and you kind of you do have to apply so you have to disclose on your uh, UCAS form um but also you do have to apply for this separate DSA and it is a bit of a lengthy process uh you have to have a formal diagnosis and you have to provide proof that you have a formal diagnosis um so did CAMS help you with that then yeah because I got one from the psychiatrist I saw here um yeah I actually had so I had a letter just from the psychiatrist and then I had someone that knew me very well my basically my therapist um she filled in like a separate form for me just kind of talking about what because they asked for a recommendation and like a more in-depth form of what this person would advise um yeah and so that happened um you do have to go to an assessment um, and I went for mine during the summer before I went to uni and you find a local branch it's not like you have to travel anywhere you find a local branch and you book it in um, and that's more decide once it that's that's once it's been your um, proof of your illness or whatever has been accepted then they will say okay you need to book a needs assessment uh, that's what it's called um, and then when you go to that they discuss what you specifically need they discuss the nature of your and that would be for any disability but obviously mine was mental health so they discuss the nature of your diagnosis and how that directly will impact your studies because it is a government funded thing so they have to kind of know not just how it's going to affect your life but your studies so um one thing the thing I've got and I think most mental health issues get is a mentor they're called a mentor um and in that needs assessment you'll discuss how often it be how often it would be you would need to see them mm. um so I see mine every week every fortnight and it's just a check-in um and then when you get there with the mentor you can arrange stuff like extended deadlines um you're allowed to be excused from certain things um if your attendance is down there kind of is an allowance for it because mm. it's been I get extended library loans um but that's when you go so before that in the needs assessment you might get um so you could get a mentor you can get a uh, computer software if you need it fantastic a computer um what else is it you can get i'm thinking back is now. there any so they provide you with resources do you you don't get an actual allowance the then? allowance will be given in ter- in forms of support so they might give you an allowance so there will be an, an amount of money that i get that's okay put directly I don't see it. It's put directly so it's in put my mentor. Towards the cost of the mentor, the yeah. computer. So, did any did any of the rest of you know about that? Was that something that I did? I haven't been able to apply for it because I've been unwell, and it's been because it's a long process. I've been struggling too much to actually go out and get 
the application done but I know that for me they were talking about um, perhaps getting a recording device so that I can record okay. lectures that's but something if, I'm allowed yeah yeah um, if I'm dissociating or too anxious that I can't focus um, then I can record the lecture take it home and listen to it that's, that all sounds mm. fantastic. And obviously, I'm presuming you found it really helpful then. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It took a couple of weeks to kind of settle in and actually get them get in contact with me. Obviously, they must have so many students that they're sorting out and that's fine. And in the meantime, of it sorting it out, I did struggle and I did. I had to come home for a couple of weeks just because my anxiety got really, really bad. Um, but I came home and as soon as I got back, they were very kind of, um, my mentor stepped in and really helped me in getting back into the uni thing and um yeah really helpful and it it kind of just like an offload and it's not it's nice to just know it's there mm. um and you know it's not all about um kind of your mental health you just have a chat as well it's just knowing someone's there mm. and how we're going to cope with this different things that are coming up deadlines and stuff like yeah. that so yeah and presumably then that's quite a relief for your family knowing that you've got mm. that because I, I I would were all of your families did they did they have concerns about you going off to uni were they do you think they were more worried because of your previous mental health experiences definitely yeah <laughs> okay yeah my parents were really worried and they wanted me to like check in with them every day to make sure everything was okay because they know I wouldn't probably talk to them specifically if it wasn't so it was important for them that I could like have people at uni that I could talk to as well which is why it's really good that we can talk to our academic advisors and also our uni offers a nightline service which is one of the best ones in the UK, I think, as well. There it is. Yeah, it's led by student volunteers, and basically every night you can anonymously, confidentially call them and like, talk about anything you have on your mind, whether it's like, really severe or just you just want to chat. Like, they're always there. That's you amazing. can always talk to them. I didn't know about that. That's really good. So presumably all universities don't have that then, Mia? It doesn't ocean. have it. Mine does. Mine doesn't have that. It has, like, it does have a student well-being bit and you can just go and say, like, look, I just need to chat about something. Um, what mine does have is in the student... We have a student health centre, so, like, a specific student doctor surgery. Um, and I've been in there a few times. And they have, on the front desk, loads of leaflets about different so other services you can access. Okay. Eating disorder services, uh, crisis resources. So even though they don't have that specifically they do have other things and they're very kind of like i've been given i've been given a card with loads of different crisis hotlines normal hotlines um and the local um mental health service hotline all on the same card they mm-hmm. told me to put it in my purse mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and in freshers week um you think freshers is just going out all the time but during the day they have loads of different fairs on and the wellbeing service is really heavily advertised there. So go and have a look and find it. And uh, so that's run, is that resourced by professionals and students? Yeah, so um, I remember at our Freshers' Fair, we had uh, Mind were there. We had the local uh, mental health like authority. We had the student support service and we had Nightline. And th- there were definitely more, but it's a mixture. 
And who is it easier talking to? Who do, who do you find it easier talking to? Students or or professionals? Or I'm quite an sorry. I'm quite an open person. So I'm I mean I had a friend I have one of my best friends from home goes to the same uni as me and that has been more useful than I ever thought. Uh, but I could also call people. I mean, me and Roshni had a phone call when I came home for a bit, actually. Um, but I, so my parents, I do talk to quite a lot, but I have that, I have a great relationship with my parents, so that's really good. Um, and I do, I found it easy to talk to my mentor, um, but that's, sometimes it's about connection with people. My tu- my actual uh, subject tutor, I talked to about it as well, and I just had a conversation, and I was just like, look, I am so anxious at the minute, and I'm not, I don't know how much work I'm going to be able to get done. She was so good about it. And she was just like, look, she was like giving me tips on anxiety. And she was like, if you're having a panic attack, let me know. I'll come outside with you. I'll try and see if I can talk you down. Um, And if you can't come in because you're so anxious, just let me know. And that is fine. That is fine. Um, So, yeah. Did you all actually um, disclose your previous mental health issues on your uni applications or I didn't um I feared that they would discriminate against me because of it um turns out that's all rubbish and you know what I ended up disclosing within the first two weeks anyway um but please don't feel as if you should hide it away because as we say it's the same if you've got a physical disability compared to a mental health disability both will be treated with equal fairness. So presumably that's a piece of advice that you would give to people, to be honest. Yes. Uh, and if you've already disclosed it, they'll put something in place before you go mm-hmm. rather than you having to ask for it while you're there. And it, I'm, I'm sure it's quite accessible, but mm. I suppose um, knowing that it's there and that you're going off and you can access it immediately would be helpful i originally didn't intend to disclose um but i i did a levels and i had to drop one of them and go down to two a levels because i couldn't cope um and therefore i had to disclose to be considered because otherwise they would say like we've only got two a levels why is that um but i didn't put anything in place before i got to university because I change my mind a lot, which is absolutely fine if you change your mind. I didn't get my first choice. I got my second choice and then decided it was too far from home and I didn't actually want to do that. So I applied somewhere else, got accepted and then went and looked round and declined that and then applied somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I go now. So it doesn't really matter if you do things last minute and it doesn't matter if you are too stressed or you haven't got the qualifications that you thought you needed. Um, you just might have to change whether you do a three-year course or a four-year course or whatever. Plus, like, it's obviously it's not ideal doing things last minute and clearing and things like that. Um, but it does work out. Like, it does. It will work itself out. And I've got fr- I've had friends who have really not got the grades they wanted um were distraught didn't get into their first uni where their boyfriend was going absolutely distraught she now comes to the uni with me and she is so happy she is so fine so that's completely fine and I know me and Roshni had a conversation days before results day and I I didn't 
I didn't get into my first choice either. And on results day, I was absolutely devastated because that was all I had my heart set on. I'd given up everything to get to this uni. Um, and my second choice uni, I was like, I don't want to go here. I didn't like it when I went to go see it at the interview. I ended up going anyway. Um, and I cannot think of a better place to be in in this whole world. I love it so much. So it just shows that, you know, mm. give it time and you'll mm. get there. Yeah. When I, sorry, when I made my choices um, on what universities I wanted to put down as my security or whatever it is, um, I picked ones because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I knew somebody who'd been there and said they liked it. And actually, having gone through clearing, I found a university that I actually think would have, well, fits me more than the original one would have. Um at the end of the day, if you want to go to university, you will get there. Um, and it's it's likely that whichever one you go to, they will be able to meet your needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I know I didn't get into either of my choices for uni as well and ended up going for clearing. I just wanted to say it's really not as stressful going for clearing as I thought it was. Like, I was really dreading it. I was so worried about it. I remember just crying in front of my maths teacher, like, what do I do now? But the college does offer some support, like helping you go through clearing if you need it. And it's not as stressful. You have time, like, the entire day. And it's really not as bad. Everyone you call is really nice. Yeah. And it all ends up working out. Yeah. So when you go through clearing, you literally just call someone up and they say, hi. What grades did you get? What did you get them in? Um, we can offer you a place or we can't offer you a place. And that is it. It's just a lot of being on hold. Um, so get something to do while you're on hold. And there will be so m- They get so many people doing it. There is a clearing... Like, there are clearing lines for a reason. They're not just for, oh, there's this one person that's just not going to do very well. So many people, for different reasons, don't get what they expected. Might be that one of my friends... They didn't, in her A-levels, they did not tell her what um, what actually she'd be getting the marks in. So she did. She spent all of her time on the practical thing when actually said, you don't get any marks for that, you get marks for the written bit. So she ended up getting a C when she was predicted an A-star and that was out of her control completely. Or whether it is that you've had mental health difficulties, you will find, it, 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 it will still be okay. It would all be fine. Just that's as plain and simple as it is. And I think also it's really important to point out that... Um, while it feels like when you're doing A-levels, you're in college in sixth form, that there's a lot of pressure that you need to attend um, university straight after you do two years and then you go to university. But actually, um, in my experience, I know a lot of people who they didn't get the grades they wanted. Um, they didn't want to go through clearing. So they resat. They went a year later. And in the long run, it's made absolutely no difference to them. Um and I know people that have deferred for a year because because of mental health difficulties, because of other reasons as well. So I think there's a lot of pressure um, as you're coming up to the end of sixth form, you're coming up to the end of BTEX, whatever you're doing, um, to go when you're 18, because everyone there will be 18. But actually, um, you need to make the right decision for you, regardless of it, whether it's what everyone else is doing. And actually, no one... No one actually says anything about age. Like, I'm in my flat, there's someone who has just turned 21, and there's someone who's just turned 20, and then some of us are 18, 
And we didn't realise until like it was actually their birthday. And they were like, oh yeah, I'm turning 21. And we were like, what? Because you don't, no one talks about, in school, because you're kept in your years, yeah. you think it's the end of the world yeah. when it's not, no one's, once you get into uni, no one says anything about age. Yeah, honestly. and actually I, um, I started my undergraduate degree at 21 um, and it really made absolutely no difference to me. Um, so, you know, there is, there is so much hope out there. If you want to go to uni, there's no pressure to go 18. I um, found with me, because I did a, I'm doing a foundation year, um, a lot of people have been out of education for a long time and I have these two really good friends on my course and they both have actually got kids and mm. we we go for drinks after our lecture and then they have to go for three so they can pick up their kids and walk them home. So, you know, wow. you still, I, we've, Honestly, these two girls have been so supportive and we can hang out. And then you forget until it's three o'clock and they're like, oh, I've just got to go and walk to the kids' school and pick up the kids. I'll see you tomorrow. So mm. that's kind of how little it matters. Yeah. And I think just for some of the young people that I work with, and there seems to be um, some real pressure in education about how you're supposed to do your studies um, and there does seem to be a model of GCSEs it's A levels and then it's university and I think it's great for you guys to be saying actually there's lots and lots of people out there in universities that you are with at the moment that just haven't followed that expected model but I guess what you what you all seem to be saying is it's not just a simple case of there's, there's option one or there's no option there's actually actually option one two three four five or as many as you need and and yeah and I think um and I think just because you're not able for whatever reason to follow that traditional pathway that is presented by education um it doesn't mean that you're actually going to fail because you're giving examples here of lots of people that are out there and being very successful, even though they haven't followed that expected pathway that's given. And personally, I went to uni, you know, before I thought uni is my kind of thing. It is my thing. You know, I'm a pipe girl. I'm, I love my course, you know, I'm going. I went and, and this isn't to put anyone off because I'm fine now. I struggled so much and I had to come home for a couple of weeks, like I said, because it was all, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I didn't, I feel like I thought I'm going to go and I'm just going to fly. It's all going to be fine. You know, it's the reality of it is very different. And I came home and I was thinking, oh my God, but like, this is so me. Why am I not doing it? Everyone expected me to do this. Everyone expected things sometimes don't work out how you think they're going to work out. And that's difficult, but it's just another example of you might even be starting to go along that model and then stop and think, actually, this isn't for me. And I thought at one point, maybe it's just not for me. Maybe this is just pushing me too far. Maybe I just can't do this and that's okay. Um, and I'm lucky in that my family and friends are all very much like, that is okay if it's not for you, you know. Mm. It's fine. We, you will find your thing. So you would have been supported had you decided to leave. But it mm. sounds like the, the mental programme that you had in place mm. really allowed you to get back mm. in yeah. to uni. And one thing I would say is before you go, because I was so fine, my mental health issues, I was, I felt like I don't have them anymore. It's all gone. I'm good. I'm having a great time. I went um, and I didn't think I was going to miss my family at all. Like, honestly, I was like, I am not going to miss them <laughs> at all. Um, so I didn't make any plans to see them. But when I got there, 
And because you are throwing... Me and Roshni were again talking about this earlier. You are thrown in... University is the most like... You're thrown into a random city and you have to worry about social situations, your education, the place you're living. I worried a lot about safety because it's a city. I'm not from a city. Um, I'm from a town and this was Mm. so big. It's the... It's like the most extreme thing you could ever do and also things like budgeting and like looking after yourself because you've suddenly got a limited amount of money probably you can still if you're anything like my son he was constantly on the phone asking for bailout money (laughs) but um that's a lot of pressure as well um but so you're having to budget, you're yeah. having to cook for yourselves, you yeah. know, look at you're completely independent when you've probably all been quite, you know, wrapped in cotton mm, wool. Exactly. By. Yeah, you go there and you're like, oh my God, does this mean I'm an adult now? Mm. <laughs> like, I actually have to do like adult things and it's like terrifying. Yeah. And um, you have to do your course as well, don't you? On yeah, top of all yeah. of this, you kind of forget about, you go to uni and you think of the party life and you're away from home. You forget you've got a course that you have to get a degree out of at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah, next thing you know, you've been partying so much that you're out of bread and you have nothing to eat. Exactly. And you've spent Literally. all your money on alcohol. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you have to do a few, I think you have to do a few weeks or months of that a trial and error before you find it and it's like I said I didn't make any plans to see my parents one thing I would say is even if you think I am not going to miss my parents just make a plan to see them in two two weeks time just make even if they come up to you for a couple of hours Mm. or if if it's feasible even if you think you aren't going to miss them because I didn't make any plans and I think that's what partly made me panic even more because I was like I don't even know when I'm going home I said to myself I'm I think I said this to Roshni before. I'm not going home for the first six weeks because if I don't, if I go home, I was told if you go home in the first six weeks, you won't go back. Exactly what I was told too. There's mm-hmm. a pressure you need to stay at uni for the first time. Pe- people told me don't go home within the first term because you need to enjoy it. You need to make friends. You need to stick there. That's not true at all. It's not appropriate for everyone. It's not. No, no you definitely not. Like I went home after the first week. And then the week after that, and then just gradually started to like lengthen the period between like how often I go home. And like that really helped me settle in as well. But if I couldn't see my parents for that long, I would not have dealt with that. Yeah, it really depends. And again, it's who who is it that actually sa- actually comes out with these should statements? I guess that's my question. Um, and I guess I guess somebody started them way back, but I guess it's like anything. They just roll and carry on as in. And, and I don't know, did any of your parents go to university? Did they kind of tell you about their expectations or, or what happened with them? This came from my sister's best friend who went to the university I'm now at. She was like, don't come home for the first six weeks because you won't go back. And I was like, okay. And I, when I heard that and then I went off to uni, I was like, I won't want to go home for the first six weeks. Got there panicked and was like mm. oh my god it almost felt like a home didn't exist anymore because I was I was like I can't go home and I can't see my parents what I ended up doing especially after I went home for a couple of weeks and then came back um every other week I would go home and the weekends in between that either a friend would come up my boyfriend would come up um or my family would come up and that has been so good for me and it now got to the point I spent the last weekend I was at uni it was my first weekend where I was up there and no one from home was up there um I didn't even think much about it because I yeah. just gradually I'd put things in place when I got back to make sure that gradually I got to the place where I was able to do that and so you're all different you're all gonna don't be pressurized yeah. into listening to those ta- it's it's helpful to have advice from people mm. but don't take it as read because you've all got to find your own way of coping with it 
Yeah, I think I was just going to say the same thing, really. Um, university looks different. University looks different to everybody. Um, and there's so much pressure from like older siblings, cousins, friends, friends who might have been the year above you at school who have gone and they haven't been completely honest about their experiences, but they've said, this is how I found it, therefore you should find it the same way. And then I think you make plans based on their experiences and then you get there and you think, well, I'm a completely different person and that doesn't work for me. What worked for them won't necessarily work for me. Um, so I feel like there's a real overarching theme of just um, trusting yourself and trusting yeah. um, you you and your family and your support system um, will we'll kind of figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you if you go and you think, oh, I don't, I won't need to see anyone, I won't need to speak to anyone for like six weeks, and it doesn't work out that way, that's fine because they haven't actually gone anywhere. They're still there to support you. Yeah. Um, it just might look a little bit different now. And so that brings us to an end to this first half of the uh, episode eight of the Comes Talk podcast, where we are discussing some of the highs and lows of uni life with some of our young service users. Uh, don't forget to come back next week when we continue the conversation. So until then, take care of yourselves and we'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Cams Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford Cams team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag CamsTalkPodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.